church, but our groups have done so much together that I just feel right at home being here with you. I got to sit in last week, and uh, it just felt normal. Um, And so I'm going to make myself at home and just steal your uh, music stand, if that's all right. Um, And I don't like feeling tall because I never feel tall. I've never felt tall a day in my life, so I'm going to step off the stage, too, if that's all right. Um, I am in the process, in this interesting period of transition in my life, where I am stuck in Florida, I feel like, for like a month and a half of my life. Basically what happened is last January, um, I resigned from the church and felt led to pursue the rest of my seminary degree. Um, It had taken me like five or six years up to that point to do as much as I had done, and I still wasn't finished. So I felt what was best was to go off to school and to finish that degree. But the main reason why I was doing that is because I felt God was leading me to go overseas um, and to serve in some capacity. I didn't really know what that looked like or what God was kind of doing in the midst of that, but felt he was leading in that direction. And so anyhow, for about a month, uh, about a year and a half, I've been up in North Carolina um, at a school up there called Southeastern. Um, Some of you may have heard it. Your pastor has uh, graduated from there. And so I strongly recommend it. Any of you looking to go into the ministry, it's a great school. There's my plug for Southeastern. Um, But I just have had a great time up there for school. But now I'm in this this transition time, so now I'm home, I'm staying with my parents, I'm unemployed, um, I'm hanging out with my little cousins, we went to Legoland yesterday, so I'm having a little bit bit of fun with the family, and I could not be more excited when Brother Dan said, would you want to hang out with us on a Wednesday night and share a little bit. And so I just really prayed over, God, what do you want me to share? Do you want me to talk about what I'm going to do? Is there a passage you want me to talk about? And I kind of felt led to kind of intermingle that. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 tonight. And I really just want to talk to you about the fact that there's no middle ground. Um, In our relationship with Christ, there's no middle ground. And as I was kind of thinking through this passage and really looking into it, um, I I thought of an experience that I had um, with our students at Uly Baptist. Uh, I took them whitewater rafting. Have any of you guys been whitewater rafting before? Okay, I hate whitewater rafting. And so we took, kind of like you guys took a small group up to Atlanta Fest, we took a small group to a worship um, conference in Atlanta. And they had this great idea, well, we're so close in Atlanta that we've just got a couple hours to just drive up and go whitewater rafting. And so we made this whole big ordeal out of it and did a camping trip, and then we went whitewater rafting. And so we drive and wind, and if you've ever been whitewater rafting, they're tucked away kind of in the mountains, and so you're winding and winding, and you finally get there. And we got there. There was probably like 10 of us. And then we have been driving, and we were sick of riding, and we were ready to go whitewater rafting. And I say we, meaning them, because I don't like whitewater rafting. And so we get out of the car, and they're like running inside, like, let's go do this. And we thought, like, you get out of the car, and you get in the raft, and you're on the water, and you go. Well, if you've ever been, that's not the case. You go inside, and they, like, load you up with all this gear. You get your helmet. You get your life vest. You get your paddle and all kinds of other stuff, whatever else you might need for the journey. And then you think, okay, now we're here. We're ready to go. Well, not quite yet. Then they, like, lead us outside to this little, like, shack thing. And you sit in there, and they've got a videotape, like an old VHS videotape that's, like, you know, barely showing you a clear picture or whatever. And they show you this instructional video of how not to be hurt. That made me feel so much more safe as we're getting ready to go on this thing. And then I think, okay, well, we're here. Like, I'm nervous. I don't want to go. They're excited. Let's hurry up and get there. And then we, we finish that, and I think, well, this is it. Well, not quite. Then now you have to get on a bus, and they take you on the bus to the launch point, and then you get to the launch point with the other 50 people who are going on this thing, and you have to kind of stand and wait your turn to go put in at the river, right? So we get to the river, and I go, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to test this thing out. So I stick my foot in the, the water. That stuff's cold. 
And I'm looking at the white water that we saw in the video, and I'm watching, I'm going, somebody's going out. You know what I mean? It's inevitable. You're falling out of this thing if we're getting in the river. And that water's cold. I don't really care who goes out. And I love my students, but I don't want it to be me. That's all I can think. I'm just being honest and transparent with you. I love those guys, but I wanted one of them falling out, not me, because I don't, I don't like cold water at all. I had two choices right then. I could get in the boat, or I could just chill out on the shore Decked out in my gear. I had all the stuff. I looked the part. I was dressed for the part. I knew all the stuff. We had watched the instruction video. I could answer any question that the guide asked us. I knew what was safe. I could have sat there or we could get in the river. Well, two things would have happened if I would have um, said I'm just going to chill in the boat on the trailer on the shore and watch the river pass by. Number one, I would have had ten angry, angry students with me. And I don't ever like to have angry students because you guys can be mean sometimes. Number two, I would have missed out. I mean, if I'm honest now, we did have fun. So I would have missed out on that fun. Well, I think that there are a lot of Christians or people who are calling themselves Christians sitting in church week in and week out who are playing that game. They can talk the talk. They can look the part, just like I look the part, but they've never actually stepped into the boat and put the boat in the water. It required me putting my faith and my trust in that boat, in that water, and in that guide. And I know for some of you, you are thinking, that's lame, I loved it, it's awesome. I was scared. I didn't want to do it. And it required a little bit of faith on my part. Well, what we see in this passage in Matthew chapter 7 that we're going to look at in just a minute is Jesus is kind of talking through the Sermon on the Mount and he gets to this point and he really just lays it out. I mean, he spells it out for his, the people who are there listening and he says like, "Here, this is it. You've got this choice or you've got this choice and there's no middle ground. There's nothing in the middle here. Not a, a choice for you. And that's kind of where I felt like God has been bringing me on this journey with him is that... And really just teaching me this past year and a half when I've been in North Carolina is that there's no middle ground. You're either on His team or you're not. We're either a friend of God or we're a friend of the world or we're an enemy of God or an enemy of the world. And we like to think, well, there's this, this you know, even place in the middle and there's not. It's like if I draw a line right down the middle of this room, you guys have to pick one side that you're going to be on. And if you don't choose, you're still making a choice, Right? And it's the same way with our relationship with God. Let's look at what what Jesus says here. Because he, he really lays out four illustrations. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever planned a Bible study, but you always think you've got to come up with these really creative illustrations to hold you guys' attention. Well, I cheated, and I just used the ones Jesus used, okay? Because he's far smarter than I am. And so we're just going to look at these four illustrations that he throws out here and explains to us about um, no middle ground. Look in the the first couple that we're going to look at. is just the first two verses. Um, We're going to start in verse 13. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. What does the wide gate look like that he talks about there? What was it? Alright, the wide gate now, what he's talking about, the bigger gate is destruction. The narrow gate that we're getting into heaven with, we're going to get to in a minute. But the wide gate, he says, is the the easy one. And I think it's easy because all too often, that's just what the crowd's doing. 
And let's just be honest. The majority of the people that we know, that we come in contact with, are choosing this wide gate and they're choosing it because, let's just be honest, it's a whole lot easier and it's in our nature to want to please man than it is to please God. I faced that, guys, when I was making my decision of, of whether to not to go off to school and pursue this calling of missions on my life. And I'm going to be really honest with you. I felt like I had a good choice and I had a good choice. It wasn't like a really bad choice and then this really great choice. I could either stay at a church that I love, the people that I love, the ministry was going great, the church was going well, or I could go and do missions. It was two good choices. But for me, to stay was a choice to please man because I knew what God had told me to do. And so the, the wide gate, it's easier to choose that because it's what so many people are wanting you to do. And it's a, it's a choice if we're going to choose to please man or if we're going to choose to please God and to do what we know God's told us to do. The destruction is simply this. When we, when we follow that, that wide gate, we're choosing, whether we realize it or not, to be an enemy of God and deserving of God's wrath on our life. But see, Jesus, is, He goes against the culture here and He says, but the, we're gonna, I want you to go through the narrow gate. And what I want us to see tonight is that He is the narrow gate. You know, sometimes we sit and we try to make this discussion like really difficult. Well, well what is the narrow gate? And I don't want to be, miss it. Jesus is the narrow gate. That's why just in the verses that Brother Dan read in Romans chapter 10, why these guys are going on this trip, these people that they're going to have never heard the name of Jesus. That is so like far-fetched and like out of like what my mind grasps. Um... I mean, I can just think of how many churches that I pass on a daily basis. How many times just the name of Jesus comes up in conversation in the day, sometimes without even like planning that in there. I mean, if we just stop and think about it, it's common. These people that they're going to never heard the name of Jesus before. And what Jesus is saying here is, I am the narrow gate. The only hope that we have for salvation and eternity with God is Jesus Christ Himself. He is the narrow gate for us. And so you've got a, a choice of which direction you're going to walk in. Just like if you guys were to, to head out here to Minor Road. I don't know. Some of y'all might be really good with directions. Some of you might be really bad with directions. But if I, and I won't call any names, okay? But if you guys were to walk out to Minor Road and I said, walk towards the high school. And then I said, walk to Minor Road. Could you do both? I mean, I'm sorry, A1A. Could you do both at the same time? You could. Could you? Um, A1A in the high school. If I say go to both, can you do both at the same time? You've got to make a choice of which direction you're going you're gonna to pass, you're going to take. The path here, Jesus is saying, you've got to make a choice of which one of these gates that you're going to go into. And so even tonight, some of you, you're coming in here and you're like, well, I was just coming to check this whole church thing out. I really wasn't interested in it. You know, I'm just seeing why, why my friends keep coming up here. You make a choice with not making a choice. You're, you're either choosing to follow Jesus or you're choosing not to. He go, Jesus goes on here and He talks about... So, so we get first illustration is two gates. He gives us an illustration of a narrow gate and a wide gate. And then He goes on and He gives us two kinds of fruit. Listen to verse 15. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Jesus is very clear in this passage that disciples, true followers of His, will produce good fruit. Now, I know um, probably none of you in this room actually like have a degree in agriculture. And I will be the first one to admit to you that I have no clue. I came home from North Carolina, and the very first thing that my dad wanted me to do was to follow him out to the backyard. I'm like, okay, what, what, is, what does he want to show me out here? Well, while I was gone, dad also retired. And so all this free time in his hands, he decided to plant a garden. And he was most excited about showing me his garden. And I amused him and went and looked at his garden. I still don't really have a clue what's out there or what all that means, okay? But I do know one thing, guys. If we planted a tree that's supposed to plant or supposed to grow oranges, we planted an orange tree. And I walked out there and there's an apple on it. Something's wrong. I don't have a degree in agriculture, but I know that much. What Jesus is saying here is if you have the gospel in your heart, if Jesus Christ lives in your heart, the natural response is that good fruit should be there. The things that look like Jesus should be characteristic of our life. And if people, the world looks at our life and they're seeing bad fruit or stuff that doesn't look like Jesus, what he's saying here is there's something wrong there. Any of you ever heard of a fruit called durian? It's the nastiest stuff I've ever seen in my life, okay? It grows in Southeast Asia. I spent um, a couple weeks over there on a mission trip. We were uh, coaching softball, and one of the things, just a tip for those of you who are fixing to go, one of the things you're supposed to do when you're in another culture is eat whatever they put in front of you. I'm one of the pickiest eaters you guys have ever met. And so we go on this trip, and they bring us durian because it only grows where we were at, and they love this stuff, man. They think it is like candy to them and they put it in front of us and I know that I can't say no and I also know it's like 100 degrees and we're fixing to go play softball after this because really what we were doing over there was building relationships to coaching softball and I'm thinking I gotta eat this stuff and it's gonna make me sick and so we start eating the durian and I'm like choking it down and as I look down like I'm not making a dent in my plate and I'm getting sick, but I feel like I keep eating it, but there's nothing disappearing. We'll come to find out the two girls who were with me on this trip, they were putting their food on my plate so they didn't have to eat it. And when everybody was talking and we're all chatting, they're like hiding theirs on my plate. So I'm eating it, and I got really sick, and then I had to go out there and play softball, and it's really hot. All I'm saying with that story is if I walk outside to my dad's orange tree and there's a piece of durian hanging on it, I'm going to be very upset. Because I'm expecting, I love oranges, I'm expecting good fruit, not something that smells like sewage and tastes like what I would imagine sewage tastes like. Okay, that's what durian tastes like. What Jesus is saying here is I expect good fruit in the life of my disciples. And so when we're thinking about this no middle ground and what side are you on, sometimes we think, well, well, what side am I on? Have I made this decision for Christ? I just want to ask you tonight, what, what kind of fruit is in your life? If you stop and think about your life, does it look more like Jesus? Or does your life look more like the world? Let's keep reading. Um, because Jesus goes on here to talk about the disciples. Um, 
But he, he stops from the, the fruit discussion and then he moves to talking about those who know about him and those who really know him. Look at verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I've heard a lot of people stand up and read those verses and say, man, those are some of the scariest verses in the Bible. What I want to say to you tonight is, I just praise God that He puts those verses in there because He gives us a clear distinction that there's a difference between just knowing about Jesus and doing good things and knowing Jesus, the person, and having a relationship with Him. And here's the difference. There are people in this world, and maybe you find yourself in this category, who do good things. We go and we do these good works like what we just read about because we want to earn God's favor. And yet, the Bible says very clearly right there that those people will stand before God one day and He'll say, Depart from me, I never knew you. The difference and the other side of that are people who have a relationship with Jesus and they don't do those good works to earn favor with God, but they do those good works because... We already have favor with God. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, He looks on you and He looks on me and those of us who have made a decision to follow wholeheartedly after Him and He says, you're forgiven and I love you and you're my child. And what happens is instead of doing all these good things, trying to earn favor, trying to earn God's love, we rest in the fact that God already loves us. And then we want to do all those things just because we love Him and we're so grateful for what He's done. It's His work on the cross and the power of His resurrection is why we want to do those things. See, if it, here's the ironic thing. If we sit around and we think, I've got to produce good fruit, I've got to produce good fruit, I've got to produce good fruit, what have I done? I've sat around all day and all I've done is, I've got to produce good fruit, I've got to produce good fruit, and we've not done anything. But what you'll find is if you just fall in love with Jesus and follow wholehearted after Him and do what He asks you to do and just enjoy Him the ironic thing is you're just going to naturally produce that good fruit without even putting a whole lot of thought or effort into it. It just happens when we have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to look and listen to these uh, words in, in Luke 10. Um, and for those of you who are getting ready to go, these verses really just speak to me as I get ready to go. Luke 10, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. See, here's what happened. Jesus had just sent out 72 to be on mission for him. He had just sent them out to do missions work. Okay, So like I said, I'm getting ready to go to South Asia and to spend a couple years over there. And So as I, I read this, I think, man, Jesus just sent out 72 to go do similarly what he's called me to go out and to do. And while these 72 were there, they discovered, man, they had the power over, over demons. 
They could cast out demons. They could heal people in Jesus' name. And they just all of a sudden had all this power. And what Jesus says to them is, yes, you've got great power in my name. Yes, you've got power over the demons and you can do these great works in my name. But don't rejoice in that. That's not what makes you valuable. Jesus says rejoice in the fact that your name is written in the book of life. As we go, it's not about the great things that we can do for God. It's about the fact that we can rest in the power of God, knowing that He saved us and that we're His. And then all of a sudden, it's it's not about pleasing other people or doing what other people want us to do, but we find our self-worth and we find our value solely in Jesus Christ and that He's enough. And we, we really become overwhelmed with the fact that my sin is, is far greater than I've ever dared imagine. And yet, in the midst of that, Jesus Christ loves me more than I, I could ever fathom. And that's the gospel. And we rest in that. And so, what, what Jesus says here is that there's two kinds of disciples. You're either just going to know about me, Are you really going to know me? And so I just want to ask you tonight, do you know Jesus or can you just give the answers? Go back to my opening illustration. I could have looked the part and I could have given all the right answers, but if I'd never had gotten in the boat, have you ever decided to follow Jesus Christ and to make that decision to pursue Him with your entire life? Listen to this last illustration that Jesus gives here in verse 24, going back to Matthew 7. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. I want you guys to go back with me to that whitewater rafting trip. I left off saying that um, somebody was inevitably going to fall in, right? Well, I can tell this story because Cameron Springer is now in the Philippines and by the time she gets back, y'all will have forgotten what I said and so you can't tell on me that I told this story. That's our deal, okay? Hopefully by then it will be off the website and she can't hear it, okay? She has no internet access, so she can't get to it. Cameron Springer fell out of the boat that day. I don't know if you guys know her, but she was uh, one of the, the students who was on the trip with us. She was also the smallest student who was on that trip, and she's probably got the set of parents that I would be most afraid to call and say, I lost your daughter on the whitewater rafting trip, okay? And so what happened is we're going over the water, and we've got a guide with us who apparently wasn't doing her job very well, and I'm like enjoying it. When we first got started, like it's nice, and we're just kind of lazy, like, you know, floating down the river. And then all of a sudden I start to see like a little white water building like they show in the videos. And then I start seeing some really large rocks. And now it's getting real and we're actually white water rafting, not just floating down a river. And right as we get to like the one big drop, I don't know, it's probably like a number two, y'all would probably say it's like 
a number two. I would say it's like a number ten. I know they don't really go up that high in their ratings, but it was making me a little nervous. Right as we got to it, the guide managed to somehow spin our boat around backwards. So now, instead of going straight into the, the rapid, we were going backwards into the rapid, which put Cameron right on the edge with her back to it. And just as we went over, Cameron went flying and landed in the water. And as if that's not bad enough, she's here, and then our boat just goes right over the top of her. Okay? Now, I know Cameron was scared, and I won't take anything from her, but as the adult who was responsible for her, it felt like forever before that kid's head popped up out of the water. And so I'm, like, looking everywhere, like, trying to find her. And as I'm still looking, somehow, I don't know if y'all know Lacey Little, um, Lacey manages to, in the midst of that, grab Cameron and get Cameron back in the boat before I even realize what going, what's went on. And she, like, you know, rescues Cameron all that kind of good stuff. My point is this. Following Jesus is not easy. Getting in the boat, I had some fears, and I could have done without losing Cameron on the trip, just like I'm sure if she was here, she'd tell you she could have done without falling in that freezing cold water. But we would both be the first to stand up here and tell you it was worth it, just for the experience of the ride. And see, what would happen is, if we took all those hardships that come from following Jesus, we'd miss out on the life that we get from following Jesus. Nowhere in the Scriptures does He say, this is going to be an easy ride, this is going to be a smooth ride, there's not going to be any rapids, there's not going to be any big rocks, and there's not going to be any kids that fall out of the boat. Nowhere does He say that. Sometimes it's not smooth. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes people in your life are not going to understand why you've made a decision to stand for Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, it's worth the ride. If you're sitting there and you're kind of on the fence and you're you're like trying to make your decision, let me just say to you, I, I can't speak on behalf of anybody else. But from what Christ has done in my own heart and in my own life, it's worth the ride. I mean, there, there have been days on this journey of trying to get to South Asia that I thought, okay, God, like, what in the world are you doing? Well, you know, when I first got to North Carolina, I quickly realized I had just quit a full-time job that while I wasn't getting rich as a youth minister, it was paying my bills. And I didn't have a job, and now I've got to find a job. And even when I found a job, let me just be honest, I found a part-time job working at PetSmart playing with animals. Animals are meaner than you guys can be. They hurt when they bite. Customers are not very nice. And so there have been moments on the journey where I have thought, oh man, have I made the right decision? And I, I'm, not in, I'm not even in South Asia yet. There are going to be days where I get there where I go, have I made the right decision? There's going to be trials. There's going to be things that I deal with. There's going to be people that I deal with that I'm just going to question But you can always go back to the words of Christ and to His Word and trust that when you decide to make your foundation on the firm foundation, on the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's worth the ride. It's worth the journey. It's worth following Him wherever it is that He calls you to go. Because the truth is that ride, had Cameron not fallen out, probably would have been pretty smooth. But it would have been kind of lame. I mean, it's like six years later and we're still talking about the whitewater rafting trip. Had she not fallen out, we probably wouldn't still be talking about the trip. Those struggles in our life 
give us points of contact with other people down the road to be able to talk about Jesus, to be able to talk about the difference that He's made in our life. It gives us opportunities to be able to share how in the midst of those struggles, in the midst of those hard times, Jesus was enough for us. And He saw us through those struggles. You know, I've heard so many people um, try to... Uh, I guess, I don't know what they're trying to do. Encourage me, comfort me, or whatever as I'm getting ready to um, move. And they'll, they'll say things like, well, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And I want to just look at it and be like, dude, I just sold all my stuff at a garage sale. And I'm moving to a country where like human trafficking is like this huge deal. And I'm living in, like across the street from the slums. You really think the safest place for me to be is in the center of God's will? No. The best place you can be is in the center of God's will. But I want to be honest with you and tell you, God doesn't always call you to do the safest thing. He doesn't always call you to do what other people think are going to be the wisest things in your life. But He calls you to do what's going to be best for you and what's going to be the thing that brings Him the most glory. And so as you're trying to make this decision of, is it going to be Jesus or is it going to be the world? The world sometimes is going to look like the safer choice. The world sometimes is going to look like the wiser choice. But the foundation that Jesus was talking about in this passage when He says to build your house on the firm foundation is going to be the gospel. And sometimes it's not going to make sense. Sometimes it's going to look like foolishness. Sometimes it's going to look scary. Sometimes it's going to look dangerous. But it's so worth it. It's so worth making that decision. See, when Jesus was talking to the crowd here, they understood around the, the, their picture. You know, we, we immediately, when we hear beach, like we can kind of get a picture and we know what we're talking about here. Well, for them, what they went to was the Sea of Galilee. And so as he's talking here, they understood that at the Sea of Galilee, that was really like sandy. And so you'd have to scrape away a lot of sand to get to the firm foundation. So that that the foundation he's talking about would be a foundation that lasts. I want to kind of close with thinking about this. What are some of the things in your life that maybe you need to scrape away? The sand in your life that maybe you need to move so that you can build your life on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. It may be going back to that original, you know, looking at the two gates. Maybe you've never walked through that narrow gate and you're at a place where you're ready to start that relationship with Jesus Christ. What better time to do it? And and any of your, your friends who invited you here, Brother Dan or any of the other leaders, would love to chat with you about that tonight. Maybe you've made that decision, but now... You're sitting there thinking, well, there are are decisions I'm trying to make as I follow on this journey with Christ, and I don't really know what the right answer to do is. Pray and ask that, that the Lord would show you what's His path, not what is the path of the world. And as you guys... um. As we head out tonight, I just want to pray over all of us that we would make a decision to choose Christ instead of the world. To make that decision, because going back to to what we started out with, you're either in the boat sitting on the trailer, looking like a fool because you're all dressed and not going on the ride, or we're in the river and we're taking that river wherever Jesus leads us to go. Let's pray together. God, I thank You so much for this group of students. I thank You for what You're doing in the student ministry. 
God, for the ways that you're at work. And Jesus, I just pray right now that you would help us to choose you. I pray that, God, for those in this room that you may be calling who do not have a relationship with you, they've never made that decision to walk through the narrow gate. Give them courage to talk to somebody about that. Tonight, before they even go to bed, that they would have the boldness and the courage to seek someone out and talk to them about walking through that narrow gate, about trusting you with their life. And Father, for those of us who have made decisions to trust you for our salvation, I pray that we would daily make decisions to follow you. That our lives would would reflect Jesus, that they would reflect that good fruit, and that we would trust in you for everything. And Jesus, I thank you for calling out those in this room who are getting ready to go. And I just pray as they go, God, that you would get the glory from their life. I pray for Whitney and Jared who are there now, God, and the the other missionaries who are there, that you would be blessing that ministry, that the gospel would be going forth, and that people would be coming to know you and to trust in you. I pray that as these teams go over, God, that you would bless their ministry, that you would multiply their efforts. And Father, that as they go, they would find just a whole new understanding and deeper meaning of what it means to trust in you. And Jesus, I pray, God, that you would continue to call out students from this ministry to serve you, both right here in their schools and on the international mission field. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.